Hey everybody and welcome. I'm glad you're joining me. I'm beginning a new series today. It's all taken from Psalm 23. I'm calling it Being a Sheep to the Shepherd. We want to learn how to be good sheep to our good shepherd. And so in this five-week series, we're going to have an introduction today. And then for the next four weeks, I'll be going verse by verse through this to figure out how we can be good sheep. So I hope you'll subscribe and not miss an episode. Thank you for joining me. What well, we learned in our last series, how to submit our body, our soul, and our spirit to God. We learned in order to be fully aligned to Him, we need to submit all parts of what's called our tripartite being, the three parts of us, our body, our soul, and our spirit to God. We learned to listen to the Holy Spirit who wants to encourage us and guide us and to keep us close if we choose to let Him. Well, Psalm 23 is a beautiful follow-up to this series because it's about a shepherd and sheep. It reflects how we need to have total dependence on our shepherd. As our good shepherd, God provides for our physical, mental, spiritual, and social well-being. He nourishes us, and He refreshes us, and He lovingly guides us. He protects us, and He disciplines us, His sheep. So we're going to take a dive into these six verses and learn the role of the shepherd and the role of the sheep. We're going to look at different versions of the chapter, which is one of the most beloved chapters in the Bible. It might even be your goal to memorize it during the study. I did that as a child. And, you know, sometimes we do things when we're young and then we forget to practice them. And so I am relearning and, and really getting into my uh, head the verses for Psalm 23. Memorizing is a good way to hide God's word in our heart. It's not as easy as it used to be, but I'm reminded of a few years ago when I went to see a Broadway play. It, it, it starred Cicely Tyson, and the play was A Trip to Bountiful. Now, she was 80 years old and never missed a word in her performance. She memorized that long script at age 80, and I decided if she can do that, I can do this with Psalm 23. And so I'm committing to, to learn more and more scripture and hide those words in my heart. Well, as we begin to learn how to be a good sheep to the good shepherd, let's learn about sheep and see if you hear anything that sounds like us. We're going to begin with some sheep facts. Sheep, did you know this, don't have top teeth. They have really thick gums called a dental pad. Here's something interesting. U.S. President Woodrow Wilson kept a flock of sheep on the White House's south lawn to trim the grass. Their wool was also sold to raise money for the Red Cross during World War I. The first sheep in North America have been brought by Christopher Columbus on his second voyage in 1493. Some of the most well-known Bible people were shepherds, Abel, Abraham, Moses, Jacob, the prophet Amos, and King David all tended sheep. A recent study showed that sheep can remember the faces of up to 50 other sheep for more than two years. 
they have nearly a 360 degree vision. You see sheep have these rectangular pupils that give them an amazing peripheral vision. Sheep are social, but usually they only want to hang with their own gender. Sheep are herbivores. Well, that means their diet does not include meat. They typically eat seeds and grains and plants. Baby sheep are called lambs. Lamb can, lambs can walk in just minutes after they're born, though they are often really dependent on their mothers for the first four to six months of their lives. Our greater Chattanooga area does not, does not have many sheep. Well, I found a few at Hidden Hills Farms in Chattanooga. And so I wanted to hang out with some sheep for a little while and see how they interacted with me and with each other. Well, there was one sheep whose name was Sean, and he stayed close. He stayed right next to me. Sean had a cowbell, and it kept ringing throughout our visit. The other sheep, not so much. They didn't hang with me. Well, I think we're going to learn that, that sheep who hang close to the shepherd are going to be much better sheep. That's one little tip for us. I went to New Zealand years ago and I went to the Agrodome Sheep Show. I saw 19 champion rams of different breeds on a platform and they each made a grand entrance. I learned so much about sheep during that visit. I was so unaware there were many kinds of sheep. They looked all looked so different. And New Zealand has about 20 sheep for every one person. Wow, that was pretty fascinating. Well, in Israel a few years back, I enjoyed watching a shepherd take his sheep all along a meadow through this rocky ravine and down a trail and across the beautiful pasture. And they stayed so close to him. There seemed to be a few stragglers and he would work to get them back, but he kept them together so that he could get them to their next resting place and get them to some nice still water. Well, from the days of Abraham down to modern times, sheep have abounded in the Holy Land. The Arabs of Bible lands have largely depended on sheep for their living. The Jews of Bible times were first shepherds and then they were farmers, but they never fully abandoned the shepherd life. The large number of sheep in the land can be understood when we listen to these numbers. Job had 14 thousand sheep. King Solomon at the temple's dedication sacrificed 120,000 sheep. During Bible times, families in the Middle East relied on sheep to provide them food and wool and their sheepskin. And in ancient, ancient time, most of the clothing that the Israelites wore were made of sheep. Sheep were often eaten when meat was really wanted, but for the ordinary person during that time, meat was not on the daily menu, but was only used for special occasions for rejoicing, like when they had a feast or a wedding. Or, and another thing, it, you were considered very wealthy if you had a lot of sheep because sheep were more valuable than cattle. And then the horns of the rams were considered to be of really great value. That ram, uh, ram's horn was also made into a trumpet, and that is what the Jews called the shofar.
Well, let's look at some more traits of sheep. References are all over the scripture about sheep. They were used to sacrifice as sacrificed animals. They were also the primary source of income, but they were also used symbolically to represent God's people. And the Bible refers to Jesus as the Lamb of God. So let's look at some more of these traits of sheep and to see if they sound like us, like you and like me. So listen to all of these descriptions. The first one is they are defenseless. Sheep are one of the few animals that don't have a defense mechanism. They're helpless without a shepherd. Well, we're often helpless too without a shepherd, aren't we? Because when the enemy attacks, we need a protector. However, those sheep do have a couple of self-help devices that help them. When they get frightened by a noise, and they often do, they will run together. They stick together in a herd. And another defense mechanism they do have is they kick. A ewe protects her young by kicking the enemy. Well, even though we often kick and we can run, we need a protector, don't we? Second, sheep are followers. Sheep are notorious for following their leader, regardless of how dangerous or foolish that may be. Well, like sheep, human beings can be pretty gullible also when it comes to following something that looks attractive and looks beautiful and wonderful. Maybe like a charismatic leader who promises something wonderful and has a shiny new idea. History is replete with tragic examples of the herd mentality in action. Uh, one farmer said that if you have a bunch of sheep in a barn, do this. Stretch a rope across the door before you let them out. When the sheep come out of the barn, the first few are going to jump over the rope. But then if you cut that rope, the remaining sheep will jump over the invisible rope because that's what the flock did. You know, I can't help but laugh at that because isn't that often the way we are? We just follow the lead and we want to make sure our leader is worth following. Well, sheep are also wanderers. Um, that's probably why we're compared to sheep in the Bible because just as sheep were prone to wander from the flock, we often wander away from our faith and the Good Shepherd. A sheep's only chance of survival is with the flock under the care of a competent sheep. But sheep often would become overconfident or rebellious or distracted and they wander away. They see green grass and it's in the other direction or they fail to notice when the flock moves on far, far away from the shepherd. One of Jesus' most famous parables is about the lamb that strayed so far that it became lost. Jesus, the good shepherd, left the 99 sheep in the fold and went in search for that one lost lamb. When we wander away, God, the good shepherd, is also going to come after us and he will see us home as well. Well, they're directionless. Many people say that sheep are stupid 
let's just say they don't have a sense of direction. In fact, they just follow who's leading them, even if it means they go over a cliff. There's a story that had occurred a few years ago in eastern Turkey. There were about 1,500 unattended sheep who fell off a cliff, cliff while the shepherds were eating breakfast away from the flock. So the first 400 fell to their death in a ravine, but the remaining 1,100 were saved because the 400 that went before them broke the fall. It was as if having this huge 400 sheep, big fluffy pillow cushion that the other sheep fell on. Apparently this is what happened. The sheep in the back could not see past the sheep in the front. So they were unaware of what had happened. The sheep in front couldn't stop because the sheep in the back were pushing them forward. Oh, there are so many stories in that one example about how we are followers and how we get so confused about what's ahead. Well, here's another trait of the sheep. They are cast down. Sometimes sheep turn over on their backs with their legs just flailing in the air. The old English shepherds called this cast down. If the shepherd doesn't lift that sheep up and put it back on its feet, that sheep will die. It's completely helpless to all the prey around it when it's in this position. If it's not set upright, it can either get left behind or could die or both. Our shepherd wants to set us up right. He wants us to get going in the right direction. It's called righteousness right living. That's what he wants for us. He does not want us to be cast down. Isaiah 40 verse 11 says this, he will tend his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in his arm. He will carry them in his bosom and gently lead those that are with young. Well, the next trait, they were not designed for burdens. You see, you never see a sheep carrying a pack of other sheep on their back. See, other animals are really good at carrying things, but not sheep. They were not meant to carry burdens, not to carry a heavy load. In fact, they could be crushed under the weight of a heavy burden. That's why God compares us to sheep in the Bible. We're not meant to carry our burdens. In fact, we are supposed to give him our heavy load and let him carry it. Psalm 55 verse 22 says, cast your burdens on the Lord and he will sustain you. Another trait, they settle. Not bothered by dirt and mud. They're going to drink from a puddle instead of going just a bit farther to clean still waters. They settle. They settle for temporary solutions and temporary pleasures. We often settle too for the easy way. Sometimes we live in stinky waters instead of reaching out for the living water. The shepherd leads us to still waters. We see that in Psalm 23. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside those still waters. Well, here's another trait. They can't care for their wounds. When a sheep gets a wound or any kind of bite, they can't care for themselves. Other animals lick their wounds, but not the sheep. 
They need a shepherd to tend to them, to tend to their injuries, and to help them move on toward healing. We too have wounds of all sorts. The good shepherd wants to tend to those wounds. He wants to bind um, bind those wounds. He wants to bind up our broken hearts. Well, another trait is that sheep are pure. In our faith, the sheep symbolizes purity and gentleness and innocence. But on the other hand, goats can be very destructive and even dangerous. We are to be like lambs, pure and holy, not like those strong-willed, independent goats. Matthew 25, 32 says, And he'll separate the people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. This trait is, is very important to understand. Sheep are highly valued. Sheep were treated as prized possessions in the Bible. It was usually the wealthy who owned large flocks that provided them their meat, the milk, and their wool. We are even more valued than those smelly sheep. Jesus sacrificed his life for the sheep. In Jesus' day, they were counted as uh, very wealthy if you owned a large flock. Now, they would produce a lot of wealth for the shepherd. You can see the significance of sheep in the Bible, can't you? Jesus died to save us, his sheep. And it's because God, of that, God views us as very highly valued, priceless. Sheep are significant all throughout the Bible. And we can see from God's dealings with, with them that how he is, uh, uh, we can understand our nature by looking at the nature of sheep. They teach us about ourselves, about our helplessness without Christ. They teach us about God and his desire to deal with us tenderly. Isaiah forty eleven says this, He tends his flock like a shepherd. He gathers it in their arms and carries them close to his heart. He gently leads them. When we studied the ways uh, shepherds are used as teaching tools in the Bible, it helps us to best understand when we study the ways that God tends to his sheep. So I want us to, to look at shepherds and their role and the different kinds of shepherds. Shepherds made many sacrifices to make sure their sheep were protected. They knew it was their livelihood at stake. Well, when the ground was really dry, the flocks of sheep had to move about during that rainless season. And so they stayed months away from home, from where their owners were. So herding sheep was really important, and it was a very responsible job. There were wild beasts out there. There were robbers. And so it was also a very dangerous job. Well, sometimes the owners and the owner's sons traveled and did the job themselves. Other times, they hired shepherds to do it. These were called hirelings. Well, one man could handle about 50 to 100 sheep alone. But if there were more than 100, it was really necessary to hire a helper. Well, the hireling, hireling <coughs> excuse me, 
did not have the personal interest in the sheep that the shepherd had. And so often that hireling couldn't be trusted to defend the flock just as the shepherd would have done. Well, some of Israel's greatest heroes and shepherds like Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and David were very important uh, owner shepherds. But the hireling shepherds did not have the reputation as those faith-filled leaders did. They had an unsavory reputation. The rabbis are quoted as saying this, most of the time they were dishonest and thieving. They led their herd into other people's lands and pilfered the produce of the land. See, because they were gone so long without supervision, they were also accused of stealing some of the increase of the flock. So people were warned not to buy wool and milk and kids from shepherds on the assumption that they could have been stolen property. Shepherds were not even allowed to fulfill any judicial office or be admitted in court as witnesses. An ancient commentary reads this, There is no more disreputable occupation than that of a shepherd. Those were the hirelings. Shepherds lived outside most of the year. Remember in the story of the birth of Jesus, we read that the shepherds were abiding in the fields. And that word, agreleo, means they lived outdoors. So they stayed outside most of the time. From April till November, the shepherds were outside with their sheep. And sometimes even in winter, if the location was suitable, shepherds were constantly with their sheep because the sheep were always vulnerable. They did guard duty, watching over their flock. Let's look at the life of a shepherd. In spring, each day a shepherd might take his flock from the pen near his home and take them to graze in beautiful, lush grass nearby in nearby pastures. During this season, the lambs and the kids would expand the size of the flock. At that time, workers also would begin to shear the winter fleece from the sheep, and this was an occasion to celebrate. Well, after the fields near the village were harvested, the shepherd then is going to take the sheep, the sheep there to graze on. And so when the hum, summer heat set in, shepherds had to move those flocks again to cooler pastures on higher ground. For days on end, shepherds are going to work and sleep outdoors, allowing the flock to graze on those steep green slopes. And they would spend the night allowing the sheep to, sheep to stay in what's called sheep folds. Those are fenced in areas. At times the shepherd might shepherd his flock overnight in a cave and that's where they could be protected from all the hyenas and the jackals. If the howl of a hyena panicked the flock in the dark of night, the shepherd's calm, reassuring voice would still them. Isn't that comforting to know when we have, we cry out, in our own pain and sorrow and distress, the shepherd hears our voice and can calm us. Each evening, the shepherd counted the sheep and he counted the health of the animals. In the morning, he would call the flock and they would follow him all across the pasture ground. In the middle of the day, the shepherds led the animals to cool pools of water to drink. And when those pools dried up, the shepherds guided them to a well and drew water for them. 
Toward the end of the dry season, a shepherd might move his flock to the coastal plains and the valleys. When the cold rains be began, he would lead them back home to winter indoors. Otherwise, those sheep would have died outside in the rain and the hailstorms and the snow. From November till spring, shepherds would not graze their flock outdoors. So that's the, the shepherd's life during all of the seasons. And you can see how they were on the move all the time. Well, what did they wear? Shepherd's clothing was simple. To protect him from the rain and the night air, he might have worn a mantle made of sheepskin, and he would turn that fleece inward to keep him warm. But against his skin, he wore, wore a tunic. He wore sandals on his feet so that he could stay away from the sharp rocks and thorns, and he wrapped his head in a woven wooden cloth like a turban. His equipment it included these things, a leather bag that had all of his supplies. Now, that would have been bread and olives and dried fruit and cheese, and he would have had a rod. Now, the rod served as a weapon. It, rods were never used on this sheep. He would have a knife and he would have a staff. And that's what he leaned on as he was walking and he was climbing. climbing. And then he would have some kind of water container. Then he would have a collapsible leather bucket. And that's what he used to draw water from the deep wells. He would also have a sling, and that's what he used to lob stones near the straying sheep or goats to frighten them back because they get scared easily. It would frighten them back to the flock and drive away those prowling wild animals. And then shepherds would often have a reed pipe, and that's what they would play to entertain themselves and to soothe the flock. In return for the shepherd's care, the animals provided the necessities of life, so they gave them the milk and the meat for the table. The fleece and skins were used to trade for clothing and for bottles. Goat's hair was spun into cloth, and both sheep and the goats were used for sacrifices. So you see how very intentional they were in what they wore. They had only the things on them were only the things they could use to help the sheep survive and help the shepherds survive. Good shepherds were diligent, dependable, and brave. They risked their lives to protect the flock. Well, it's little wonder then that Jesus and his disciples used the shepherd as a model for Christian overseers. Like a good shepherd in Bible times, congregations have overseers also, and their goal is to shepherd the flock of God, and not under any kind of compulsion because they have to, because that, but because they want to. They want to show love and, and bring in that flock, to bring that flock closer to the good shepherd. Now, who served as shepherds? Let's look at, at this in families. Frequently, it was the youngest boy in the family who served as the shepherd until he grew older and he, he could and see so he could then move on to do the manual labor. And so as the sons grow older, they transfer their energies from raising sheep to helping the father with sowing and plowing and harvesting the crops. And they pass on the shepherd duties 
to the next younger boy. And so the job is passed from older to younger until the youngest one becomes the family shepherd. This must have been the custom when Jesse raised his eight sons including David. Here is the conversation that Samuel asked Jesse. It's 1 Samuel chapter 16. Then Samuel asked, are these all the sons you have? Because he was looking for the next king. Well, Jesse replied, there is still the youngest, but he's out in the fields watching the sheep and goats. That was David, who was the young boy shepherd, the family shepherd. Well, David served as a shepherd for a long time, and that period as a shepherd gave him the examples, the stories, and the inspiration for many of his writings, many of the Psalms. And Psalm 23 reads as if it's an older man looking back over his life and thinking about the lessons that he had learned. We find in Psalm 23 a very calm and meditative tone. David remembers his days as a shepherd with lots of love. He recalls how God God had always guided him and protected him and how he always cared for his needs just as David himself used to care for his own sheep. So by caring, comparing us to sheep and God to the shepherd, this psalm shows how God cares for us. Let's look at Psalm 23 now. I'm reading from the New King, King James Version. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me, leads me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. You are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. First of all, let's look to see what else we learn about sheep in this. We can make many assumptions based on the words that David used. We learn that sheep won't lie down unless they feel comfortably safe. Sheep are scared of lots of things. Sheep will never eat when a predator or an enemy is close. They'd rather run. So it was important for the shepherd to be with them in the presence of their enemies. Shepherds in the Bible, rub, Bible times, rubbed olive oil on sheep's cuts and scratches to heal them. How soothing that must have been. Sheep depend on their shepherd to help them find good food and water and to protect them from predators. In Bible times, shepherds used a rod to fight off the predators and a staff to rescue the sheep. Well, sheep were really important, but they just weren't good at taking care of themselves. They needed that shepherd. Maybe that's why the Bible compares us to sheep so often. We're not good at taking care of ourselves either. We need Jesus. We need God, our good shepherd, to guide us. 
This is the shepherd David describes in Psalm 23. Next week, we're going to dig into Psalm 23, verse 1, and learn more about my shepherd. We're going to see what Jesus says about the shepherds, and we'll learn about our own wants. As we continue this series, let's be mindful beginning today, this week, of our own temptations to stray from the shepherd. One verse that has continued to come to my mind as I have been researching and preparing this series is one that I learned uh, when I was young and uh, memorized it. It's Isaiah 53, 6. All we like sheep have gone astray. Each one of us has turned to his own way. And then in the NASB version, it says this next line beautifully. But the Lord has caused the wrongdoing of all of us to fall on him. He's taking all of our wrong every time we've strayed. And he's taking that on himself. And that's why Jesus died for us. This captures the essence of the gospel. We, like sheep, have gone off the path that Christ has set before us. We've turned to our own ways, our own plans. But God sent his son to take all of our wrongdoing. He died for our waywardness, for our own straying off the path, so that we could get back on his path and have life eternal. A beautiful message of the gospel in that verse. It's so easy to stray from the shepherd's path. Some stray often. Some stray rarely. Sometimes Christians go astray because they just quit following the good shepherd. Most often people step off the path and wander away just one little step at a time. It's called slowly fading away. It's a slow fade, one step at a time. We end up straying from our sound mind, one thought at a time. We listen to our physical cravings more than our spiritual cravings, one little craving at a time. We get carried away with our emotional baggage. We use our emotions in unhealthy and unhelpful ways until we become emotional manipulators, one emotional outburst at a time, straying away from the shepherd. We turn to our own way by letting our stubborn will override God's will, one decision after another. And then we demonstrate our own sheep-like qualities. It looks like this. Like sheep, we lose our sense of direction. We follow too closely to others and get led astray. We get cast down and live upside down, opposite from God's design. We become helpless and haphazard in the face of our enemies. Our burdens begin to weigh us down. We settle. We settle for less than. We sink beneath our broken hearts and wounds instead of turning to the healer and the comforter, the good, good shepherd. Some have strayed from the shepherd and have gone far, far away and are in need of a full about face. That will include confession, forgiveness, and reconciliation. Others just need to learn to stay closer to the shepherd 
and not stray one step at a time. That's so easily said, but very hard to do. So what do we do when we begin to go astray? First of all, we all need to identify our own temptations. We know ourselves well, and we know the areas of our lives that cause us to fall away like sheep. We want to name that. We want to call it out loud. Number two, we want to tell. First of all, we want to tell God. And then we want to tell a trusted friend. Confession to God is the first step home. Telling a friend, a trusted friend, who will hold us accountable. Number three, close doors. Identify the area that God is convicting you of now and close every door that might lead you to that area of temptation and sin. Number four, recognize the signs, the first signs. At the first sign of straying, name it for what it is and tell yourself the truth out loud. I'm going astray. I'm beginning to step away. I'm taking the wrong next step. I didn't do the next right thing. I'm turning away from his way. Name it, proclaim it at the first sign. That next, number five, turn back. Reset yourself. Go back to your set point. You know, the one that's next to the Good Shepherd. Go back before you get entangled. And number six, then cling to the Shepherd. Let the Shepherd's pool be stronger than the pool of any others. Number seven, make up your mind. In the end, each of us has to decide who we are going to be and whose we are going to be. Those with an ongoing habit of straying have made up their minds. They have decided not to follow the shepherd, even though their words might say otherwise. When we make up our minds to cling to the shepherd, it will be evident in everything we think, feel, say, and do. And when we do stray, there is good news, really good news. Our shepherd comes for us. He doesn't leave us. He doesn't let us go to stay in our own sheep-like tendencies. Here's the promise of our great shepherd. It's found in the book of Ezekiel. This is God's promise to those wayward Israelites who strayed time after time. I want you to listen as I read this passage in Ezekiel 34 verses 11 through 16 from the message. Listen to the actions of the shepherd. Note the pronoun I and all the actions he is going to take on your behalf. God, the master, says, from now on, I myself am the shepherd. I'm going looking for them. As shepherds go after their flock when they get scattered, I'm going after my sheep. I'll rescue them from all the places they've been scattered to in the storms. I'll bring them back from foreign places. I'll gather them from foreign countries and I'll bring them to their home country. I'll feed them on the mountains of Israel along the streams among their own people. I'll lead them into lush pasture so they can roam the mountain pastures of Israel, gaze, graze at leisure, feed in the rich pastures on the mountains of Israel. And I 
myself will be the shepherd of my people. I myself will make sure they get plenty of rest. I'll go after the lost. I'll collect the strays. I'll doctor the injured. I'll build up the weak ones and I'll oversee the strong ones so they're not exploited. If you stray, when you stray, he's coming after you. He's going to look for you, his sheep. He's going to rescue you from your storms. He's going to bring you back from your wandering to the foreign and unknown places. And when he gets you back, he is going to feed you from the streams where you'll be surrounded by the people who are your people, his people. He is going to lead you to a place where you can roam in safe pastures and graze all you want to in the feast of his words. And here's such blessed news. He's going to make sure your mind is clear and your body is refreshed so that you can get rest, sweet rest. If you've lost your way or you have chosen to let loose from him, He's coming after you and he'll collect you in his arms and he'll doctor those hurt places, those heartaches, those wounds that have festered and become ever so tender and he'll build you up. And when he gets you strong again, he'll take care of you with his strong arms of love and mercy and grace and protection because he is your shepherd. I can't wait to share more with you from each of the verses in Psalm 23. Each one has a special message for each of us. Join me. Don't miss a lesson. Oh, Heavenly Father, thank you that you're my shepherd. You're guiding me. You are collecting me. You're coming after me when I stray. You're going to give me the strength and refreshment and the rest that I need to survive in this world and to thrive and to feel at sweet peace with you. And I thank you for that promise. It is in the name of Jesus who, dis, who, who died to save me from all my striving and my straying. Amen. Thank you so much for joining. I look forward to next week's lesson.